bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. We're glad you can join us. It's November 3rd, and I'm Paul Dragoo. Today, we're going to talk about Christianity's role in restoring and preserving liberty in the United States. You may have noticed a theme in the mainstream on how they've reported on the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson of Louisiana. On Tuesday, the Washington Post published an opinion piece titled, Mike Johnson is a pro-gun Christian nationalist. Yes, be afraid. In a profile of Johnson titled, For Mike Johnson, Religion is at the Forefront of Politics and Policy, the New York Times wrote, Mr. Johnson is known for placing his evangelical Christianity at the center of his political life and policy positions. Now, as the most powerful Republican in Washington, he is in a position to eject it squarely into the national political discourse where he has argued for years that it belongs. Former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said on her new MSNBC show that Johnson's views on policy are essentially what you'd expect from a religious fundamentalist. She said they're more divisive than they are divine. And here is what comedian Bill Maher said about Mike Johnson. Much of a religious fanatic, there is no room for real democracy. That's not what you believe in. He said it today. Look in the Bible. Right. That's my worldview. And I was reading about this horrible shooting in Maine. Yeah. Uh, and I heard, you know, we don't know much about the guy yet, but apparently he heard voices. And I thought, is he that different than Mike Johnson? And last week, the far left and often deranged Daily Beast ran a story with the headline, Here's Why Mike Johnson is More Dangerous Than Trump. The author said that the most dangerous movement in American politics today is Christo-fascism. And Johnson's election took a disturbing step toward that movement because he wants to turn America into a theocracy. So joining me to discuss today's topic is Editor-in-Chief of the New American, Gary Benoit, and the John Birch Society Research Manager, Christian Gomez. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Uh, so I don't know. We have quite—I don't know where to start here. We have so much to, to pick apart here. But I thought I would start out by pointing out the irony or maybe the idiocy in that last um, piece there from the Daily Beast. It's, it's this administration that has obviously worked very hard to bring about what seems to be a, a fascist-type uh, government. I mean, uh, you have, for instance, government that has worked and embedded itself in social media platforms and communication platforms uh, where it has stifled and censorship. That is actually like the essence of fascism. Uh, right. And of course, you have the FBI raids. You have the FBI looking to infiltrate churches and whatnot. So how can they possibly think that it's the Christians who are going to bring fascism when it's already here and it's been brought by this inept, corrupt and probably very godless uh, uh, administration here? I wonder, Paul, if maybe their thinking is warped by their hatred of Christianity. I, no doubt. No doubt. And we saw that. We saw that in the opening. That is clearly uh, a hatred of Christianity. What do you think, Christian? Well, Jesus Christ said that they're going to hate you for um, for his name, and that's exactly what we're seeing right now. Um, the the media, well, the world, um, those who do not have a Christian worldview, those who, have, those who do not share a biblical framework, hate Christianity. Um, and that's exactly what we're seeing here. And the left is doing what the left always does best, which is classic case of the pot calling the kettle black. The left says that they're for freedom and civil liberties, yet they are the ones who are always imposing more onerous control 
or the individual lives of people. And uh, you, you can rest assured that if the left says that it's, uh, it's dark outside, it's more than likely the sun's already up. What do you make of Bill Maher's outrageous comments to compare Christians to, to the shooter in Maine who was reported to have heard voices? <laughs> I mean, we're all Christians here. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not afraid to admit that. We've talked about our faith openly. I don't hear voices, and I certainly don't hear voices that compel me to hurt anyone. And any voice that would compel you to hurt someone is not the voice of God. Anyone will tell you that. Well, Christians do uh, at least practice, or they should practice Christianity. Obviously, every Christian falls short, but we have God, and we have God's laws, and and Christians pray, and you can look at prayer as a conversation with God. Uh, And I'm surmising here, but maybe that's what's being referred to in that propaganda against Christianity that, oh, that means you're hearing voices uh, if you pray, and you're trying to do what God wants you to do. Yeah, I mean, it sounds to me like it's ignorant, too, because he doesn't apparently know anything about how uh, Christians' relationships with God. I mean, uh, it's a whole lot different than that. I think Bill Maher's comments are sensible and consistent for someone who's lost, for someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So what can you expect from a lost person? We can't expect lost people to behave like Christians. So he's a lost person behaving like a lost person. So I'm not surprised by his remarks but, I mean, and his animosity towards religion in general. Th- doesn't it seem like that animosity has has ramped up significantly over, I don't know, the last 10 years? I mean, in with George H.W. or George W. Bush, you had a president who openly talked about how Jesus saved them from alcoholism and things like that. And, you know, I, I'm not one to judge other people's faiths and whatnot, but it's like— um, we're not too far removed from a time when, I mean, in the 90s, 90% of people claim to be Christians. We've become exponentially more antagonistic to Christianity. Uh, do you remember ever this kind of, uh, of, of narrative from, from the media because of them freaking out because someone, like the Speaker of the House, is openly Christian and he talks about his faith? When do you, Gary, again, I bring this up. You've been doing this for a while. You've been the editor for, what, 30 years here, and you've been reporting on news and everything. You've been watching everything. I have not seen it to this degree in this country. But really, when you think about it, it's not surprising. Because for the state to become all-powerful, mm. uh, for would-be totalitarians to reach a point where they can exercise total and absolute power to make themselves gods of the universe, so to, so to speak, or mm. at least gods on earth, what do they need to do? They need to get rid of God, right? Yeah, because uh, they They need want. to get rid of all competing loyalties. Mm-hmm. And they would see uh, worship of God and belief in God as a competing uh, loyalty. Uh, so they need to get rid of that. Uh, and so obviously, as they move forward in terms of their totalitarian vision, yeah. uh, in terms of accomplishing that, they need to get rid of God. Uh, and so the attacks against God uh, are going to intensify. This is what the communists did. This is exactly the way the communists operated. You could not be part of the party if you were not an atheist. Uh, you could not be part of the apparatus, the enforcement apparatus. Uh, they taught atheism and atheism in school. Uh, that's not too different for what's happening there. But isn't that a, a massive contrast between that, uh, between what uh, the form of government and that we esta- uh, that our founding fathers established here? I mean, right off the bat, 
in the Declaration of Independence, what do the founding fathers uh, acknowledge right away? Where do those rights come from? Well, from God, obviously. Right. And like yeah. you said, that's right in the Declaration of Independence. Right. And, and so we've moved far away from that, haven't we? Well, we certainly are. But, uh, of course, the good news, and we'll be talking about this later in this program, is we can move back. Right. Yeah. But let's 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 focus on the on how we were established. We became so prosperous and free because because of Christian principles. Right. Would, I mean, am I the only one who thinks that here? Well, uh, obviously, all of us here do. And obviously, millions upon millions of people do. But to uh, put it even more explicitly, imagine a world without Christianity. Would freedom be possible? And I would say it would not that that freedom could not exist. Yeah. In the world without Christianity. Well, uh, so, some would argue the opposite, but we're going to make the the right case, and that is that without Christianity, there there wouldn't have been uh, freedom. I mean, uh, you could take, for instance, the example of slavery. Slavery has existed for thousands of years, but is it isn't until the likes of William Wilberforce, uh, you know, Charles Finney, and so many others who decided to rail against uh, against slavery. Uh, and it was in the United States, especially, too, where we really pushed against that. It's been in the West, which has been dominated by Judeo-Christian values. And I don't know how they miss that because they uh, they do the opposite. They rail against our having some 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 of our history with slavery, but it has existed forever. We need to take a break, but we're going to be right back because I want to continue this conversation. Freedom is the cure. You're dead on. This is the largest experiment performed on human beings in the history of the world. The more you know. What they're doing is they're forcing vaccination on people. And I believe they are killing people with this vaccination. The freer you are. It's murder. They are basically murdering people in hospitals. The all-cause mortality we know is now higher in the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group. Stay informed on the issues that affect freedom. Get a subscription to The New American today. TheNewAmerican.com All right, we're back. So we were going to spend a good portion of this segment discussing the Judeo-Christian heritage uh, of the United States. I think the first thing to point out would be the Mayflower uh, Pact. Right. <laughs> and Paul, I want to interject. I'm really glad you brought in the Judeo part of it because obviously the Christian principles that are foundations for, for freedom, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think that's overstating the case. Uh, those principles were Judeo principles as well. The Ten Commandments, for example, was a Jewish document uh, before it became a Christian as well as a, a Jewish uh, document. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and so it's important to look at the fact that this country was established by, first and foremost, by religious Christian dissidents, outcasts. That's, that's correct. Yes. I mean, the Church of England uh, was very oppressive to those who didn't conform to the specific doctrine and teachings and mm. practices of, of the Church of England. So many uh, nonconformists, as they were called, which included Congregationalists and Baptists and others, 
went on those early ships to land in the Northeast and to colonize what is today Massachusetts Bay Colony. Well, what is today Massachusetts the state, uh, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, mm -hmm. but uh, even Rhode Island, which was founded by uh, Baptists who were being persecuted by the Congregationalists in Massachusetts. And when the founding fathers established our country, they made sure not to have a state religion, that the United States mm -hmm. would be a Congregationalist or Episcopalian, but rather it would be a place that anyone of all religious backgrounds, whether you're Jewish, whether whatever denomination of Christianity you... Or Catholic. Or of course, Catholic, like the state of Maryland especially. Well, you would not be persecuted for that faith. And, and the famous letter that, uh, that the left loves to quote from Thomas Jefferson, they act like it's in the Constitution, actually. Yeah, they do. I, in fact, I think a lot of people do think it's in the Constitution. Yeah, but, the separation uh, of church and right, state. Yes. The separation of church and state. That's not in the Constitution, is it, Christian? No, it's in a letter that Washington wrote to a Baptist minister who was concerned well, uh, about... Thomas Jefferson. The, the, sorry, the Thomas Jefferson, correct, that wrote, mm -hmm. wrote to a Baptist minister who was concerned if there would be a merger of church and state that could potentially be... Uh, uh, oppressive to, to, to the Baptists, mm -hmm. and it was no. There's going to be a separation, as in the sense we're not going to have pick. We're not going to choose favorites, thus oppressing everyone else who is not of that particular. Yeah. Well, the stripe. interesting thing, though, is uh, he wrote that specifically to the Baptists in Danbury, uh, Connecticut, and they were concerned about this new federal government uh, that uh, was being created under our Constitution, our new Constitution. And they were fearful that that new federal government could violate, violate the, their rights. And, and so the point was that uh, they were, uh, you know, they, they were being assured that they did not have to worry about the government violating their rights. It wasn't a case of fear that maybe the, the government would turn into a theocracy. Would turn into a, a, a theocracy. That's uh, exactly right. And now we're seeing the... the, the yeah. very, it, wasn't, it wasn't to protect the government yeah. from religion. Exactly. Uh, that, that, that's the point. And that's really clear when you look at that in context. But what, a, what the Supreme Court did, uh, you know, at least in the 1960s... Was reverse they, that. Uh, they got rid of uh, prayer up. in the, uh, Public schools. the government schools, right. Uh, but what they did was they referred to that statement of separation of church and state. And ever since, there's been this uh, false belief well, that's what the, that's on what, the part of many that's what uh, judges that this, do this best. phrase is in the, the Constitution. Take things out of context, right. just like the supremacy clause of the Constitution. Right. They ignore the fact that that says, in pursuance thereof, it's a classic case of the left just right. extracting things and not reading the full context. But now what we have is the religion of atheism, basically, the religion in trying to push away all forms of Christianity and faith out of the public square, we have the new religion of statism, the, the godless religion of atheism, and that's what the left is promoting, a secularism. And, and what has that brought us? What I, I don't, I mean, look at it, what's happening. We could take, for instance, the issue of responsibility. I would argue that that is a Christian value to, to, to some degree. I'm not saying that non-Christians don't want to be responsible, but uh, do you guys think that, that that's accurate? That yes, I do. Absolutely. And uh, I think we could cite uh, many examples. How about thou shall not kill? Uh, which I, I think properly interpreted, we, we could say, uh, uh, you know, that, that we should not commit murder. Okay. Uh, Including abortion. Because, you know, for instance, there is such a thing as uh, self-defense. Uh, there is such a thing as uh, a just war mm -hmm. uh, where a nation is, is defending itself. Yeah. Uh, but thou shalt, shalt not kill. So if we throw Christianity or Judeo-Christian principles out the window. We start killing babies. Uh, kill, yeah, that's right. Well, we we I, start if, uh, killing you, babies. You start so killing now, anybody, thou, actually, now thou if you throw them out the kill. window. Right, right. So, but, but the point is, that is a Christian principle. A law against murder is a principle 
based on on Christianity, right? How about thou shalt not steal? Uh, yeah. That's another Christian principle. We wouldn't have property rights without it. Yeah. Uh, how about uh, he who does not work does not eat? <laughs> right? That's a, that's in, in the New Testament. Well, that sounds kind of racist. I mean, I mean, that's, how about all the welfare programs? And speaking of racism, is it not in the New Testament that says that God is no respecter of persons? And if anything is against racism, it is Christianity. I mean, you know. The, I know. Because the, it treats people as an individual. Yeah. Right. They're all made in the image of God. Oh, good right. point. Individualism. Right. Go on It's here. all about individualism. It's about the fact that each of us as an individual uh, is endowed with certain inalienable rights, uh, including life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yes. And, who and, and the left, of course, looks at people not as individuals, but as a part of a uh, collective. Yeah. Uh, and that's where the race, racism comes in. And the left Racism chooses. is actually a, uh, a leftist uh, position. Yes, it's a collectivist ideology where they choose which, which collective group, which right. race, is better than another group, should should get privileges and which one should not get privileges. And in, at the very heart of Christianity is the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, um, because all men are sinners. We're, we're all sinners. None of us is perfect. None of us is better than another individual. We're all mm -hmm. in need. All of, people uh, are broken. Uh, yeah, all people are in need of salvation. This idea that we're going to pit people against each other, that doesn't come from Christianity. That doesn't come from the Bible. That doesn't even come from Judaism. That comes straight out of the pit of hell. Uh, today manifested in the form of secular politics that we see uh, running rampant um, in, in all these clips that you were showing and in, in Congress and so forth with the Democratic lawmakers and even Republicans who don't share a Christian yeah. worldview. I, I would also touch on the fact that I don't think we would have the level of uh, anxiety and uh, depression and mental illness uh, that have, 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 should more people be Christians because without believing and knowing that you are a creation of the most high and having a purpose in life if you don't have that uh, clearly there is a risk of of being aimless of being depressed because now you think you're like some sort of cosmic accident you were made uh, by some sort of accident where things just exploded we don't know why and then you know over millions of years you turn you came from a tadpole and a monkey and whatnot now that to me does not sound <laughs> like if i believe that it's like I'm not going to see myself as the true value that I am, as opposed to when when you think that God made you, that the creator of the universe, that's a totally different outlook that you're going to have in life. And that's going to cause you to right. operate a little differently in life. Because you're really children not, of God with uh, the Christian worldview. Yeah, without it, we're just creation. Yeah. Well, not a creation. You're, we're you're just, not just higher up on the evolutionary um, uh, chain of events. Under revolution, we're just here randomly and survival of the fittest. There's, right. there's no value in individual life mm -hmm. under that kind of godless worldview. But you know, there's some great advice that I have to offer. Um, a quote, um, you do well to wish to learn our arts and ways of life and above all the religion of Jesus Christ. These will make you a greater and happier people than you are. Congress will do everything they can to assist you in these wise, in this wise intention. That wasn't said by the new speaker, Mike Johnson. That comes from George Washington, May 12, 1779, in his address to the Delaware Nation. Right. Well, That's George, the founding of our country. Right. And George Washington, I forget what the book is called, but he essentially says that God protected him. Before he became the president, before he became the leader of the Continental Army, he, you know, he'd been involved in various battles and whatnot. And he says that multiple times 
God had protected him from being shot, from being killed. He totally tacked that to divine intervention. That is the first president of the United States. That is the first general of the, the Continental Army. And there's several more. I mean, there's the, the famous story of Ben Franklin, who was a deist. He wasn't, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, he wasn't even like a full-blown Christian or anything like that. But during, uh, when they were uh, at the Constitutional Convention, uh, the conv yeah, mm -hmm. um, he says, hey, they're arguing. Why not? What does he say? He's like, look, why don't we sit, take a break and pray? If someone were to do that, Bill Maher is going to call out, call him out, and he's going to he was going to compare him to the to mass shooters and whatnot, right? I mean, it's just it's absolutely um, we are so far removed from from our founding. We got to come back after this, and we're going to continue this important conversation. I, I certainly would not want a constitutional convention. I mean, whoa! <laughs> Who knows what would come out of that? Just imagine if we have a constitutional convention, the number of people who will be unhappy and the number of people who say the results are not valid, and then they'll just ignore the entire constitution. What we need are just more people that would read the one we have. It isn't the constitution that's the problem. It is the people who ignore the constitution that usurp power and abuse the constitutional power that they ostensibly have. If you can't enforce an existing piece of paper, how are you going to enforce a piece of paper that has a little more writing to it? In other words, it's been amended. It's up to us to hold our elected officials accountable. What can you do to elect good representatives and senators in your state legislature who understand the Constitution and are willing to take a stand? Welcome back, folks. So before we get to the solutions, I wanted to talk about I think um, one of the most important things that has happened as a result of the uh, of the downgrading and the fall of Christianity here, and that is the um, the fall of the the family. Uh, the family has been destroyed. Uh, we have uh, divorce rates that are I don't know where they are now. Are they fifty percent uh, outside of the church anyway? Uh, they're astronomically high in some subcultures or uh, pe uh, people groups like, you know, black Americans. It's way higher. Uh, we have all sorts of statistics showing that uh, people who, who are in jail, who have drug problems, who in poverty, they are all associated with, the fa uh, with a, a broken family. Most of those folks come from a single parent uh, family. And I can't imagine that Christianity or the lack of Christianity has not contributed to that. Well, absolutely has. And of course, what you're talking about, Paul, the family is the fundamental unit of civilization. Uh, and so the family crumbles, civilization crumbles, society crumbles. And, uh, you know, when you think about why that is, uh, why would it be that uh, a retreat from Christianity or a retreat from Judeo-Christian principles uh, would result in disintegration, I think it comes down to simply this. Uh, how are we going to be governed? Mm. And uh, the truth is, uh, we either are going to govern ourselves. We are going to uh, govern, our, govern ourselves internally based on our own uh, beliefs, our own uh, our virtues, our own understanding of morality, uh, which obviously comes from religion, or an external force is going to govern us instead. Mm -hmm. uh, it is really uh, uh, that simple. Uh, and so uh, as Christianity wanes, 
people don't govern themselves as much, and therefore they need this uh, external governance, which of course leads to the police state. It leads to, to tyranny. Is it a coincidence that LBJ's uh, Great Society was called the Great Society? Um, I mean, in it you have what some would argue is uh, what happened there is, is it incentivized single-family homes, and it decentivized uh, mending those families, you know. Uh, they were going to stop giving uh, money and welfare to if, you know, if a family had a, a father in the house or whatever, rent off the men and whatnot. Uh, I can't imagine that they didn't know that this was going to happen, and now we have the results of that, and it's all because the state stepped in and said, we're going to take care We'll take care of single mothers, whatever. So all of a sudden, single mothers or women, maybe they don't have as much incentive to get married. And then the children who were born out of wedlock, they don't have a male role model. They don't have, uh, they don't have any security. Uh, they're impoverished. And all of that because the state stepped in and decided that they're going to be the husband. They're going to be the overseer instead of, uh, you know, having these values. It's like God said, I made an oath when, or God said, do not have <laughs> sex before marriage or at least have kids. I mean, those are all values that they make fun of today. Right. It's interesting that you referred, Paul, to the state as becoming the overseer because that harkens back to the day, days of slavery, right, where you had an overseer. So you could say that the, the Great Society or, or the welfare state has become the new plantation. And uh, it's interesting too, when you look at uh, what, the, uh, uh, what uh, black Americans accomplished uh, after the Civil War with emancipation, because they started with nothing. I mean, uh, so many of them were, were, were illiterate. Uh, you know, they, they were not used to freedom and they were just thrown into this uh, new situation. And uh, look what they accomplished from the, the end of the Civil War I would say up into the 1960s or so in terms of pulling themselves up from slavery. I mean, it was absolutely incredible uh, what black Americans uh, accomplished. Christian, do you think there is a correlation between a, a, a lack of Judeo-Christian values and collectivism, or is that just something uh, we put out there because uh, it fits our narrative? Well, anytime you, anytime you take God out, or anytime you take anything out of, of anything, you create a vacuum. What replaces that vacuum? So if you remove God, who takes the place of God? Well, you, you in your uh, uh, question, uh, actually said it quite well. The government comes in as the overseer, as the master, uh, in the role of the, of the husband, of the father. That's exactly what we've seen. In the name of helping people, government has done more destruction than we could have possibly imagined. And we come to this place now in this country where most Americans think that, that if we don't have the welfare, we don't have the, the social uh, services, that the sky's gonna fall, people are gonna be left in the street and, and not taken care of. And it's like, how did society function before the Great Society? Well, if you go back to the, uh, to the 1950s, but if you, if, even before that, go to the 1890s, how were the poor taken care of, the churches? The churches were the ones, and now what we've done, government has said, oh, churches, you don't need to do this anymore. Uh, we're going to come in. And what we're seeing now is the destruction of society from within. Religion is being pushed aside as government is becoming more and more powerful, and it's not for the better of society. And I'm reminded of this, um, just to end what I'm saying on a lighter note, mm -hmm. uh, of a joke that President Ronald Reagan, he so often said, he would say, the scariest words in the English language are, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. <laughs> Dennis, and that's exactly what we're seeing now. Dennis brought that up in yesterday's uh, yesterday's show. 
Do you think everyone in the government or who works in, I don't know, in, in various services know this? Because I think we also have a problem with lots of people thinking this is this is uh, humane, this is a good thing, uh, this is compassionate. And I bet you, and I know because I've talked to them, lots of Christians believe this too. When you talk about, you know, reducing welfare, when you talk about reducing food stamps, when you talk about possibly taking away uh, various benefits for single mothers and whatnot, they look at you all cross-eyed or whatever, like you're the devil. And it's like the, the evidence bears it out. This hasn't helped. This has made things worse. Well, the thing is, when you say you don't want the government doing A, B, C, and D, you are not saying, Paul, that A, Nobody B, C, should not and be doing D it. should not be done. You're, yes. you're not saying that at all. Mm -hmm. What you're saying is that is not the responsibility of the federal government. In fact, when the federal government steps in and does those things, do you know what they do? They relieve you, Paul. They relieve, relieve you, Christian. And they relieve me of the responsibilities yes. that we have yep. to take care of ourselves, to take care of our families, and to take care of our community and, and the people truly in need. That responsibility is taken away from us. Well, why should we do that? Because the government's doing that. So it's actually destroying true cha uh, charity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what, what has happened. Um, I just want to say that uh, the phrase compassionate conservatism, because that's something that George W. Bush used to describe mm. himself, that is nothing more than a euphemism for socialism, because the definition of socialism is having more and more government control. And when you, you can call it compassionate conservatism, but anytime you're replacing the individual responsibility with government control and ownership, that's not compassionate, that's tyranny. Well, uh, and more properly, you could call it stealing. Because the government does not have this wealth that, that is automatically created. Oh. It has to take from some to give to others. Hold <laughs> up, guys. We all know that Jesus was a communist, okay? Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what they say? Isn't that yeah. amazing? Because they point, yeah. I believe it's... Only when they want to claim yeah. him. They point to that instance <laughs> in Acts, right? Where it's so silly on the face of it because Jesus was recommending... Uh, individuals do things to help yeah. uh, fellow people. That was voluntary. Not that the government step in to do it for you. Jesus didn't say, okay, give everything you <laughs> own to Caesar and Caesar will redistribute it equally. Yes, absolutely. I, I was going to say we would go and continue this, but you guys nailed it. We're going to come right back after this and we are going to talk about solutions. As a lumberjack, I've been cutting wood for decades. My job is pretty straightforward. I see the wood, I chop the wood. My axe goes through every time. You remember when everyone bought all the toilet paper? And they wanted me to wear these things? And someone invested a lot of money into this stuff. They say I'm part of a global plan. I don't think so. It's too hot, it's too cold. You know what? The weather changes. We even hear crazy ideas on how kids should learn. Here's the news, Dad. Is it, son? Is it? What about this one, Dad? Nope. It's hard to tell what's real and what's fake these days. There's just too much baloney out there. At the New American, they cut through the baloney and give me the truth. Visit thenewamerican.com and subscribe to get 50% off the cover price. And if you want an even better deal, Use the promo code 10OFFSUB. Again, that's 10OFFSUB for more than 50% off. 
All right, we are back, and this is our final segment here. We've been talking about, I think we made a solid case for Judeo-Christian values. They're necessary in, in our society. Obviously, America was founded for the most part. Uh, we're not saying that everyone were, were true Baptists and evangelicals and hardcore Catholics and whatnot, but they were, they were deists and, 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 and various. And, and, of course, dissidents and outcasts from Europe came, and they were looking, whether uh, it was from England or the French, the Huguenots as well. So many other factions came here looking for religious freedom. So now we are at this portion. Usually when we talk about solutions, we'll have a, a legislative alert. We'll have an action project or not. But we don't do a whole lot of that when it comes to morality. But I would argue that morality is at the foundation. Without morality, without our Judeo-Christian values, none of those things matter. I tell my pastor when I talk to him, he's like, hey, have you done any good in saving the country? I'm like, you are the most important element when it comes to saving this nation. The church must lead the way. Gary, I see you. Well, I agree, and long term, that is absolutely true. But you know, the interesting thing is that uh, when you look at people involved in the freedom movement today in the United States of America, we have people of different backgrounds, don't we? we different do. uh, religious traditions. I mean, just uh, here alone. Right, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we have Catholics, uh, you know, we have evangelicals, yeah. uh, uh, we have members of the, the Jewish uh, faith, and mm -hmm. uh, yet we're all working together for those principles in which we believe. And, uh, and I think it's important to underscore that because I know there are people uh, who uh, uh, believe that. Uh, it really is impossible to work together with people of different faiths uh, without uh, compromising your own faith, and that's not true at all. And uh, Robert Welch, who was the founder of the John Birch Society, which is the parent organization of the New American Magazine, he described it this way. He talked about uh, what he called a, a circle of faith. And uh, when he talked about that circle, he was not talking about a circle where those people within that circle would compromise their own religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. He did not mean at all. Uh, he was very specific that he was talking about a circle that was not based on compromise, that was based on uh, uh, based on, on collaboration, uh, based on based on collaboration, but also uh, that I would be tolerant of certain religious views you have, Paul, uh, that I disagree with, and you would be tolerant that I have certain religious views. Uh, that you might be dis, uh, that you might disagree with. Yeah. The circle that we're talking about, uh, maybe we could refer to uh, uh, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, because in that book, uh, he talked about basic Christian principles uh, that all three of us here uh, in this discussion agree with. Uh, and I would say that members of the John Birch Society agree with just basic Christian principles uh, that we can come together and support uh, without uh, necessarily uh, uh, getting into other principles that mm -hmm. uh, we believe are, uh, you know, foundations of our f faith, but but that we would uh, uh, disagree with. What, when and, and, and so another way of looking at it might be a volunteer fire department, uh, where if a house is burning down and uh, you want to uh, save the house, you're not going to worry about, are you a Jew? Or are you a, a Protestant? Are you a Christian? We'd all come together and grab the, the, the we'd be part of the bucket the brigade, right? To throw water on that uh, fire. Well, everyone benefits, a, right? Uh, and everyone benefits. And in this case, you know, in the case of saving our country, it, it, the house is our country that is burning down. Yeah. Uh, the house is our national morality. 
and we all need to work together to uh, save those basic principles that we believe in without in any way compromising other principles uh, that we may disagree with. What about this fear that people like Bill Maher and other atheists have that if um, that Christianity can take over the government and somehow will impose these uh, Christian values on them? I think to a certain degree they're right if we're talking about abortion because abortion is, I don't think it's necessarily a Christian uh, value or whatever, but, but it could be, I guess. If you're godless, you're okay with killing people. That I think they're right. I think they're absolutely right. And they should be very afraid because we saw what just happened with that. What about uh, Well, yeah, they, they should be, uh, you know, if they support evil, uh, they should be afraid that Christianity is going to eradicate e e uh, evil. Yes. Isn't it wonderful? You know, let evildoers be afraid of Christianity. That's a good thing. But good people have nothing to be fearful of. We are so going to get in trouble for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, jump in. Save us. <laughs> no, it's, but this is the way it's worked, right? I, I mean, for, for the longest time, this is the way it's worked. Of various sects, and, and again, we've covered this at length, so I don't really think they have anything to worry about unless what they really wanted all along was to completely turn this into a completely deranged and depraved nation, which is where we are now. I mean, you have parents who have been convinced that it's okay to mutilate their children, and when they say that we oppose that, that, that the conservatives oppose that, they tack that up to Judeo-Christian values. But that's just nuts, man. That's just, that's biological. That's science. It's like uh, they've gone off the deep end. Well, Paul, it's important to remember what the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He wrote, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And that's what's at the core here. It, this is, it's a spiritual warfare between the forces of good, between the Christianity and that which is evil in the world. And this conspiracy, because ultimately we're fighting a conspiracy, and it is a conspiracy against God. And this conspiracy didn't begin necessarily with, with Weishaupt, and the Illuminati, it, it predates that even. It goes, goes back it, to the Garden of it Eden. It goes back to even fact, before it Nimrod. Back to the, it goes to the Garden of Eden, correct. It goes back even before to the battle uh, between the good angels and the bad angels. Yeah, when Lucifer uh, tried to lift himself up, like we read about in the book of Isaiah, mm -hmm. that it, he'll be the one on the top, and that's exactly mm -hmm. what we're seeing today. We're seeing um, the those who want to remove Christianity because they want a godless world. And uh, it's up to us as Christians to be good stewards of this world that we are that we live in right now and to defend uh, Judeo-Christian principles and to tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ and, and not to give in to the forces of Christian, evil. Christian, you hit it on the head. The action item here is defeating the conspiracy because whether you know it or not, whether our listeners or, and viewers know it or not, and I think now everyone agrees, mm -hmm. there is a conspiracy. We see it. The conspiracy is to usher in this new world order, and this new world order, as we see it, is, is godless. It's, it's depraved. It's, it's absolutely evil. I mean, we're seeing semblances of that. And whether or not you agree, whether or not you're a Christian, you, you realize this conspiracy exists. And the best thing that we can all do is we can defeat this conspiracy. Well, and when we defeat this conspiracy, the nation will be sovereign. We mm -hmm. can, and then we can have laws that are fair to everyone. So, you know, you a Catholic and Baptist and Pentecostals and whatever, it's like we can disagree, but we can worship uh, you know, everyone can worship freely. That's really what we want. I don't think that's a theocracy, unless you're talking about theocracy being the annihilation of abortion, which then 
fine, we're a theocracy. Well, and other <laughs> principles too, such as uh, uh, murder is uh, is wrong and that should be punishable by the state. And and uh, I, I think to wrap things up, if Christianity were removed from government, or if religion were removed from government, what would our laws be based on? Because as you long as you have laws, they got to be based on something. Yeah. And if they're not based on the laws of God, it's based you on are the, going to have tyranny, and it is that simple. If it's, it's not based off truth, it would be based off a lie. It'll right. be based exactly. on the arbitrary rule of tyrants, of godless people. And we can assure you that's going to be a whole lot worse than being ruled or having in leadership some guy who you know says his worldview is the Bible, because we can see that's happening. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> you know, we, we're so, always winging these so things. So the solution is to join the John Birch Society and help us, people of all good character, mm -hmm. uh, regardless of your religious background, to join us in our effort to stop this evil, godless, anti-God conspiracy. Yes, and we are religiously diverse. We, just in this room alone, but in our membership and whatnot, we can use all the help out there in defeating this conspiracy because everyone is going to win. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, you've been great. I'm glad that we got to talk about this. This is not something we normally talk about, but I believe this is the foundation of uh, uh, the, the foundation of our mission here. We have to uh, have a mission with a purpose bigger than ourselves, and I can't imagine a bigger purpose than that. Thank you, gentlemen. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the New American Daily. Remember to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth-finding news, and we will see you on Monday. <laughs>